challenge is most people quit before they win. You see, most people give up belief before they win. Yeah. And so all of a sudden the doubt creeps in and this can't happen for me. But they never really equip themselves to win. In business, you want to consistently attract incredible people, grow at an accelerated rate, and create a unique competitive advantage. The goal, it isn't to just be the best, but is to be the favorite, the favorite in the eyes, the mind, and the heart of your customer. To stay competitive in today's world, you want to build a business where people want to come to work and where they have a chance to be great at doing what they love the most. And you accomplish that by leading through values. Because when you lead through values, people excel, profits increase, and your brand becomes more human. Now make sure you download your free guide at leadthroughvalues.com. I'm James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer, and you're listening to Lead Through Values. Well, hello again. My name is James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer and host of this podcast that's starting to really gain some momentum. And that's because I'm blessed with amazing guests who just love to create value and share wisdom with you. Now, I've been looking forward to this particular podcast today for a long time because my guest is the number one rated sales trainer in the world by Global Gurus. He's the creator of the Rapport Mastery System, and he's the host of one of the best podcasts out there to help you gain an unfair advantage over your competition called The Sales Edge. So I am thrilled to have Mr. Joe Peachy on today because he's been absolutely instrumental in helping me build my business, even in the midst of a pandemic this past year. <clears throat> so I've known Joe for about three years, and I had a friend introduce us, and he described Joe and Don as the real deal. And here's the weird thing is, like, I've had a lot of people who don't know me, they say the exact same thing, Joe and Don, they're the real deal. And so I just am excited for you to meet him. We're going to get to him in just a minute because I want to give you a powerful truth today. And this is, the, this is it right here. If you haven't made culture a priority in your business, I want to let you know that you're missing out on huge opportunities because your culture drives your performance. Things like who and how you hire, how you train and develop people, the strength of your leadership pipeline, things like your customer experience standards, even all about your bottom line profits. So don't miss this. Your business goals and objectives are absolutely driven by your culture. And that's why I created something called the culture mastery system. And it's a system that takes culture from being just words on a wall to actionable core behaviors, helping you improve communication and boosting engagement. Now, if you'd like to learn more about that or other systems that I have to accelerate your company's performance, pick up the phone and give me a call today at 319 929 2604. It could change the future of your business. One conversation. I hope to hear from you. So if you'd like to learn more about other things that we do, you can also look at my website at jamesmayhew.com. But I am pumped because you get to meet Joe now. And Joe, I just have to say thank you so much for uh, being here today. And I've kind of set it up a little bit. I'd like you just to tell you know, introduce yourself to the audience and a little bit more about you. Well, first, I want to thank you. It's it's my honor. And uh, I guess the best way I can introduce myself is since 1992, my whole world has been focused on 
helping our clients, small, medium, and large companies, individuals, get in front of their target market, be able to be consultative in and how they explain how they serve their client. Mm. So, you know, for since 1992, our world has been helping corporations and individuals really locate where their prospect leads are, get in front of their target market, and explain their uniqueness in a way, this is how I can serve you. And I had a chance to experience that, that culmination of that 30 years when I was at your training just a few months ago. And you, you, you do exactly what you just say there. You help us create like that unique, you help us capture and identify that unique messaging. And like for me to be able to say that I help companies build culture, improve communication and boost engagement, like that came because I was at your workshop. That's, I mean, it's, it's great. Can you blaze 30 years? Yeah, well, no, I can't. But uh, uh, when I look in the mirror, I can. But, but you know, the thing is, you were always doing that, James. I, we didn't invent your product. We didn't invent your the way you treat people. I mean, you and your wife are incredible because you're servant leaders. You build culture organically. You've always done that. All we did is we helped you define who do I want to explain this to? How do I get in front of them? And how do I share my uniqueness? So you already had the ball game. All we had to do is get you in front of the people that needed you. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. I, I appreciate that. That means so much to hear you say that. Um, you you helped us simplify. You helped like take all the noise and all the distractions and all the stuff in my that was going through my brain that was impeding me from being able to create that. And the other thing that you really helped do and, and somebody who's listening here, if you were struggling with any kind of system around this, you need to follow start with following Joe on LinkedIn and start learning about what he can do to help you. So uh, Joe, I want to talk with you today about building a winning culture. Uh, that's a passion area for both yeah. of us. Yeah. I think we probably enter into it in different ways, but yet we're trying to achieve kind of the same results when we're helping a client. And that gets me pretty jazzed up. And that's, that's the thing that, that comes back to me. We call this podcast lead through values. Cause here's the way I look at it is that your values drive your behaviors and then your behaviors determine your outcomes, your results, the things that you're trying to get. Now you have a little different word in there that you use, ex you exchange values and you call it beliefs, but tell me about your approach to that. Well, when I look at what you do, you 100% are a top down culture development company. You work in the executive suite and from there you start moving down into departments we go about it a little bit differently and, and not that yours is bad and mine's good or vice versa. Basically, we believe that we have to create belief in individuals and companies. As you know, you're always, when you're in front of your target market, convincing them is not what you want to have to do. Hmm. You know, I, I heard once a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you're in the meeting, you think you've convinced them and you really haven't. So what we do is we enter a company or an individual with tactical skills that we know beyond a shadow of doubt are going to deliver right now results. Mm. That's why 
one of our uh, hallmarks and what we're known for around the world is we do live outbound telephone call training. And that sounds insane. However, <laughs> of all the aspects of business development, it is the most quantifiable and quantifiable metrics raise belief. So the minute we can prove we're the real deal, the minute you got on that phone at our boot camp and booked an appointment, all the doubt of is Joe for real or not started to dissipate. I watched your wife's eyeballs. Yeah. Your wife is, she's got that sixth sense of phony. She can smell a phony like through the phone. <laughs> And she was there with her arms folded and just wanting to figure out, is this guy the real deal? And although she wanted to believe it, it wasn't until we really got into the live calls, the application-based training that she began to believe, not only could you guys take your business to the next level, but I wasn't a fraud. So the way I deal with culture is I have to get those foot soldiers to start winning so mm. the heat rises because, as you know, what you do is a lot harder than what I do, believe it or not. Because to change a culture, it takes a long time. And you're fighting belief. Mm. For so me, true. when I go into a company or when I'm working individually, the minute we start actually selling Doubt dissipates, belief rises, and now I have the ability to sow culture development into those people. Wow. Like there's so many cool things that you just said there. And I have to go back to something just a moment ago. You were talking about us being in that room and, and how Beth's eyes were, you know, she's <laughs> thinking, she's evaluating. And here's some of the stuff is, is I think for her, um, I'm telling her, Beth, we need to invest in this money in 2020 when everything is starting to collapse around us, right? <laughs> I know. I'm telling her about jobs that I've lost and things that got canceled. And then I'm also saying to her out the other side of my mouth is like, hey, we need to go. We need to double down. We need to do this now because if we don't, we might not recover. Right. So we get to Orlando and we're in there. And it's so, so much like what you said is is that she began to believe in what I had been saying, not only about the business, but also about this is a guy that has a system, a process that can help us get where we need to go. And we've used that. And it's been, it's been huge for us. It's, it's really started to change everything the way we did. I know my stuff, but I don't always communicate it in such a way that the person that I'm speaking to goes, tell me more. I want to know. Cause Right. Like you've, you've shown me before, you've called it out of me. You're like, you just need to stop talking sometimes and not try to over explain or try to convince somebody. You have a system that's incredible about getting that out of people. Well, you know, I, I think for you, intelligent people, <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. I'm not patronizing and I'm not blowing smoke. I don't blow smoke. I'm an old guy. If I lie, I got to remember the, right. the, the challenge when you do things intellectually is you've got all this knowledge in your head. But when you speak to people, when you message people, simplification is the most important thing. So what we do is we take the complicated and we simplify into very clear messaging that opens doors. Now, we know 
I know and you know that when you get to that client, you're going to deliver. The hardest part is getting there. Yes. Yes. That's why we've built our entire business around how do we help people get there? So whether it's corporate salespeople, business owners, or even speakers, coaches, and trainers, their biggest challenge is client acquisition. Therefore, we feel our place in the world <laughs> is to be experts at helping people acquire clients so then they can help those clients. Yeah, this is so good. Joe, one of the things that I love, the way that that I'm pretty mo- pretty much most effective in learning is is instead of looking at a 600-page manual on how to go through something, <laughs> there's a low chance that I'm going to read it. It's going to sit on a shelf, and there's all this knowledge in there that I'm never going to use because it's not my learning style. So right. I need cheat sheets, or what I refer to as cheat sheets. So it's like a card that says, hey, yeah. do these 15 things. This is the recipe. This is the formula. Right. And that's what we got from you. And so actually, you know, just as a share this back to you, I've built that into the training now that I'm doing it's it's one of the most exciting things that I get a chance to say with clients is like I have a cheat sheet now we're going to get through this I'm going to give you the background the context for it but what you need to walk away from this to be useful now is this cheat sheet you can refer back to it anytime I learned that at at speaker boot camp yeah well most people have some innate talent And a lot of people have some type of charisma. I just don't believe you can train that, teach it, or duplicate it. So when we moved into this space, we said we needed a training coaching model that would work for all behavior styles and would not rely on charisma or talent Mm. or referrals. It would rely on processes, messaging, communications, and skills. And those are all learnable. So that's our whole business model. Yeah, this is this is so good. It's I was just looking at the the notes that I had from uh, uh, a conversation that you and I had recently, and it was just talking about like how do you take things from um, um, kind of ambiguous, like uh, up in the cloud, into like the these steps because that's what it means. Like when when I'm saying about. Your, your values or your belief system drives your behaviors, your behaviors determine your results. That's where things get lost a lot of times. And you to say it right, like you just did, it's about simplifying. It's about creating those steps that you can do. Joe, well, I, just a, go well, ahead. Well, just as an example, the first February of COVID, when we first got hit with it and when the wheels started falling off the wagons for people, And the way I would open up a conversation of a telephone, the way I would book a meeting, I would basically say, you know, hey, James, we specialize in helping people generate quality leads, book more appointments, and close more business. That would either move us to a meeting or not. A value proposition. The minute I got the call that we had lost two deals, I didn't panic. I didn't change what we were doing. I changed the message, which was, We specialize in helping companies, individuals recapture lost revenue. I made all our money back in three weeks because that's what the clients wanted. We Mm. have to stop selling what we're selling and start selling what they're buying. Man, that's a Joeism right there. If I've heard one, (laughs) write that one down. (laughs) (laughs) You and Joe Pons, a couple of people have notepads on Joeisms. 
Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I was going to share a quick story with you and let this kind of flow from here. I was invited to speak at a luncheon. Um, I was kind of a a last minute fill in. This was a little now. This is a year. And actually was before COVID. So it's been a little bit of time. Yeah. I was invited to come in and speak. And so um, I picked the topic that that I had ready to go uh, because it was like two days later, feedback mastery. So I'm in a room with about 15 well, anywhere from executives down to like senior level, somewhere senior level leadership. Most of them were in the financial world. And I'm, I'm going through my presentation. I'm getting a lot of nods. They're taking notes. Things are going good. Where things got interesting was when I got toward the end and we opened it up for discussion, the, the gentleman that invited me to come in asked, how many of you have values in your business? Everybody around the room nodded. Maybe there was one or two that were kind of, yeah, we kind of have it. But most, most people gave an affirmation. Yes, we do. And so then he pressed further and he said, how many of, him, how many of you have them written down? Whoa. And that cut the, the numbers about in half. So I said, okay, for those of you that have them written down, can I ask you, it would be really great for me and, and for the others in the room. Would you, would you like to share them? Joe, how many people do you think could actually share their values that day in that oh. room? None. Exactly. Not one person. And so that was an opportunity for me to say, listen, if you guys don't want to have confusion about what you're trying to say, you've got to be very defining about what these values are because they do drive the outcomes that you want. And I promise you, if you're not, you're leaving money on the table. You're missing opportunities. And I kind of got that look of like, yeah, you know, a somewhat puzzled, maybe a little bit of disbelief, or maybe they were processing like, he's right. <laughs> and so what what are the, the experiences that you've had in business where, you know, company owners, executives, sales, you know, heads of the sales team, what have they told you about why they might not have those things? What, what have you bumped into in your experience? Well, what I've bumped into is... <laughs> First of all, assume nothing. Mm. Okay. I think based on our backgrounds, we have our own set of baggage that when we go in front of a corporate executive, a business owner, we might feel like they know more than I do. Mm. Okay. Well, what I've learned and what Dawn has learned, and the more we do this, the more it is relevant we assume people know and can verbalize more than they can. You see, it's not what's up here. It's what you, what you can write down, what you can duplicate, what your company has. I mean, clarity perpetuates throughout an entire organization. So if the culture or the values are just in the executive suite, you don't win there. Yes, true. And and so what we've experienced is that what we thought was commonplace is no longer commonplace. So what I do is I assume nothing. Everything I do is through process, procedure. And so I have a process when I go into a company. If they know this much, we'll go through that process a little quicker. But what I've learned is most of the time their foundation is not set in stone. 
Accountability is no longer an, a value. Accountability has to be one of your perpetual values throughout your whole organization and yourself. And yet, that's one of the fewest words I hear in a corporate setting yeah. or in any type of setting, in an athletic setting. So when you start getting into uh, assumption, thinking people really know, and I'll give you another example. You've been through our DISC communication training. Yes. Years ago, I thought everybody knows this stuff. And what I've come to be, if I go into 100 companies, 99 out of 100 companies have no foundation in communication styles. Mm. It's a void. Yes. And part of that is that, again, this is a Joeism. Professional growth and development has been put on the back burner by a lot of people. Okay. People are more interested in watching a YouTube video on the Olympics than reading a book, than learning a new skill. And so what used to be people creating a budget and a time for them to grow professionally and personally for themselves and their teams, now it gets put on the back burner. And so we used to talk about it called corporate IQ. The mm -hmm. corporate IQ drops, yep. which means so do the values, which means so does the culture. Oh, Joe, that's huge. That corporate IQ. I don't know if most people make the connection that you just laid out there between what it means to have corporate IQ, this this tribal knowledge, if you will, about this is why we do the things we do. This is the stuff that separates us. And, and relate that to performance I, I and culture. I just don't, I don't even know that most people really equate culture and performance together. And that is, to me, those are synonymous words. You're going to create, if you value accountability, if you value excellence, if you value giving and normalizing feedback as part of who you are as a culture, those need to be written out. Those need to be talked about. Those need to be shared. They need to be part of your onboarding, which, you know, that's not a day or two. That's, that's a year's worth of stuff. It needs to be part of your entire development process. And that's what it, it becomes deeply embedded in your culture at that point. And then it becomes sustainable. And if you don't have those things sustainable, you're missing it all. I'm shocked at times. Again, because I started at the bottom and I earned trust right away, I, yeah. uh, one of my newest clients, I went into sales training. Now I'm coaching all their management team, their executives, their owners. Uh, and I asked a question two weeks ago. I was with the two founders and I said, can I see your best practices manual? <laughs> and they looked at each other and they looked at me. And whenever somebody says, what do you mean? That means they don't have one. Right. Now right. I'm looking at a company that's huge. And best practices manuals used to be foundational. And, you know, there was a time in our life where Dawn and I wondered at what level could we play? Who would listen to us? Mm. And then I finally understood. And this is, this is for everybody out there listening. What you do when you develop your expertise is probably more than the person you're serving knows. That's why I stay in my lane. I am a specialist at certain things. That's why I can go into a company and be their expert. 
I'm not all things to all people. So one of the things I, I was so excited when you and your wife, and I remember the moment in time I saw clarity hit your eyes. When you finally realized what you guys did that was unique mm. and could verbalize it, and all of a sudden, your dream 100, I mean, that those companies you may have been intimidated to go for were no longer intimidation to you because Absolutely. you realized your uniqueness could serve them. Absolutely. What a gift that that is. It, it, it truly is because I think what, what you, you did, there's two things for me, um, and, and this would be the same for Beth, is I think it was overline it was the confidence piece. And, and realizing a distinction, realizing, you know, the experiences, the gifts, all of these things have given you that. But the second thing was permission. I mean, quite honestly, Joe, it was being in that room with all those people and you pointing and saying, why haven't you ever told me this before when, when we had known each other for three years? Connected, um, well, as a referral from, from a, a colleague, but then it was built on LinkedIn and phone calls and you, you, you build a relationship with me. You had said, I had never told you that I actually held the position of chief culture officer. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and when you said that, it dawned on me. I mean, it, it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I talk about it, but do people, do people know that I actually did it? And what was that process like when we went and it was in a small company, like when that company I, I was doing this for was. When I started there in uh, 2009, it was about 20 people. When I left there, it was uh, 130 to 140 people. Six years later, we went from, you know, well, we doubled in revenue, I think, three times in that time. It was a fast-growing company, but it wasn't always a great workplace. And that was the job that I had to do was to come in. And we had we had some significant things that had happened. It's, it's a great story, actually, that my job began, and it was honestly, because I had raised my hand after the owner asked if anybody's interested in this role, I went and talked to him immediately. I said, I'm probably not the guy you're thinking of, but here's, here's what I think we need to do. Right. And, and we turned it from being a place where, uh, performance was good, um, where ethics and morals were always in place, but what we did is we captured it and we became not only one of the fastest growing or the fastest growing company in our market, we became the top place to work in that market too. And it was because we invested heavily into culture, particularly through defining our values. And then my job, my job for the first two years in that was literally not being in my office ever. It was always being with the other leaders around the company and talking about how do we make this operational day to day. Right. And I think the hardest person we sell to is ourselves. Oh, Joe, because we all have a certain amount of humility and we don't want to be braggadocious and we don't want to seem like we're selling ourselves. So what we do is we swallow and we go, well, I, I don't think I need to say that. We're not talking about being a braggart. We're not. We're talking about first finding out. And, and if you remember day two of our sales boot camp, which was probably the most intense, powerful day for all of us, because that's the very day you hit gold. See, yep. that's the day you find out who, what you do, who you do it for, 
how to message it, how to get in front of people, but then how to explain your competitive advantage. But to know your competitive advantage, you got to know your competitors and you got to know what you do best. And so the moment you start knowing what it is you bring to the table, what you're expert at, that's where your competition goes away. Uniqueness defeats competitors. Oof. Man, people need to, if you're listening right now, you're brushing your teeth, you're driving to work, you need to come back to this with a notepad and write down some of these things because this is gold. This is, this is huge, Joe. So I want to come back to a word that you said a little bit ago, assumptions. <laughs> like the gaps in communication, this is one of the biggest and greatest threats to building a high-performing culture is, sure. is the gaps that we have in communication. Look at any engagement survey. Look at any kind of survey around culture. Everyone says communication could be better, even in the greatest companies. Now, that being said, you, you helped illustrate at your boot camp. Um, I think it was maybe when we came in from a break or after lunch and you kind of get people reset. Turn to page 37 in, in your manual. And you had a list of words, and I don't know if it was 15-ish, somewhere in there, words of like some, few, many, et cetera. Well. Oh, gosh. And this was so fun because the exercise you put us through was to write down the numeric value that you associate to each one of those words. So for example, on the, on the word few, I wrote three. I, I always mean three, or it, that's what's in my brain when I say a few. But you had us go around the room and the range was wild. It was huge. I mean, it was for some, it was seven or it was, it was a dozen or whatever the number was. So talk to us about what the value of illustrating that is and what you're trying to communicate to us as, as people that are studying this and going back to our companies, the value of, of defining that well, gap all, in communication. Words have meaning based on my experiences, my understanding, my intellect. So a word doesn't mean the same for you as it means to me, but we assume it does. Got it? We assume if I say rapport, you know what I'm saying. Right. Well, rapport for some people is entry-level relationship, but the definition of rapport is the deepest relationship you can have with a person in business. But look at the gap. So that's why we decided, see, we became master trainers of this, not to train it because I was not a good communicator. I had an Attila the Hun way of dealing with people. And I realized that I was only being effective with about 10% of population. So I'm going to share something. If I were you out there in this audience, I would become an expert in the world of communication, whether it's DISC, Myers-Briggs, whatever it is, and study it and execute it daily. So I treat the cab driver with the same communications respect as a CEO. So the whole, and then here's another gap. Here's another assumption. You use the word assumption. Walking into companies or people walking into our training or me one-on-one -on -one coaching, I assumed they have had an experience learning communication styles. And I'm telling you 95% of the people that I have encountered, and I don't train hundreds, I train thousands. I've been doing this for a long time. 
You know, I remember one year I was in front of over a million people. And I will tell you that 95% do not have mastery over communication skills. Remember, 80% of communications is listening. Mm, yes. I'll tell you a quick story about that. A few, several years ago now, it's uh, I was working with an entrepreneurial class at, a, at my local high school. And I just brought in one of my friends to speak. And he asked a question of, of a room. Now, this was 16 and 17-year-olds primarily. So it was like juniors and maybe a, a senior right. or two in there. And he asked the question about communication. What's the most important element of communication? And without missing a beat, one of those young people spoke up and said, listening. And I was shocked at how quickly they understood that. They grasped that. But what I don't know what happens is we stop listening. And I don't know if it's because we, we have a lot that we want to say or we want to impress people or what. We just don't listen well anymore. And, and this gap in that communication is so huge. One, I, I can't express this enough. The, the value that I got from learning this communication style and pace and priority, it's been instrumental because I have some mastery already in that because I've done strengths finder for years with many, right. many people. Absolutely. And what, and I always saw what you were, you know, what I thought was this other model is a little bit um, in competition with it. Well, my mind was blown because it wasn't in competition. No, it validated all. and confirmed everything is sure. tremendous. I think the other thing is, I think one of the challenges in listening is we just say we have to listen better. No, what we did at Peachy and Peachy was say, okay, that sounds really good, but how? Right. Now we go back to, can we break listening down into strategies and skills that people can learn? That's all we did. We broke it down. We broke it down into what distracts each behavior style. Okay, how can you compensate for that? How do I, because here's the thing, and this is a, this is something you're going to want to write down, folks. The way you listen is how you process. When I communicate with someone, I'm communicating to their processing style. Mm. Now, that elevates from a business standpoint, it increased my closing ratios by 57%. From a relationship standpoint, <laughs> I no longer run over people. I hear what they're saying. You see, true listening is to hear, to listen, to process, to pause, to respond, not hear talk. So if you don't get anything, become a great listener. People around you will like you more. <laughs> There's a great quote, and I cannot remember who to attribute it to, that says, be more concerned with being interested than being interesting. I've heard it. I don't remember who said it, but it is powerful. Yes. Powerful. Yeah. Well, Joe, I like to say it this way, too. Uh, when we're thinking about communicating with people and meeting them where they are, um, I teach my clients this. If you want to have organizational excellence, you must. You have to understand what makes each person on your team exceptional. And it's a powerful way when I say that, I always have to pause because people are thinking about what I just said. Here's what I mean by it is, I, I find that there's kind of four ways that make people exceptional. And, and this was really validated in your training too, it was just a different perspective. But I, I think of it this way, 
what makes us exceptional is how do we communicate and what's our, what's our preferred communication style? How do we build relationships? How do we approach our work and get work done? And how do we think and make decisions? If I know those four things about you exactly, and I'm your manager, my feedback is more on target. It's more on point. It's more well-received. It's delivered in a manner that you are receiving instead of me telling you the way that I want you to do it. And, and if, isn't this huge? Because, and that's what you taught too, when we were down there and then Beth and I reinvested in you earlier this year to get that certification in, in the, the discommunication style. This has opened up so many conversations for me. I have taught, I have taught this at pretty much entry level roles to draw the circle. Let's, let's talk about fast pace and slow pace. Let's talk about task and people oriented and they grab it. I'm like, you know what? That person that right now is coming to mind for you that you are struggling to communicate with, draw this model with them and then just talk it. Just listen, just listen to them. Well, statistics say 80% of conflict in a group or between people is misunderstandings through communication skills. Yeah. And yet how many companies how many people have a regular regimentation of studying and learning this? Could you imagine if a company quarterly did communications training, the amount of conflict that would be resolved before it got to mediation? And so some companies would say, well, you know, James, that costs money. Well, lose one employee. Okay, lose one client. Where conflict is high, productivity is low. Mm, yes. And if you want to reduce conflict, if you want to reduce turnover, you start out at the foundational level. So every training we do, every coaching we do, centerpieces and is foundational on communication styles. Joe, when you talk about losing an employee, if, if you're missing this, the employees that you're losing aren't your worst employees. They're your best, aren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. They go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, because they 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 realize it. They see that there's not there's nothing here. I'm not being tapped into. And then what happens, because you're not investing in that, is you have mediocre people that you continue to keep, and then you feel frustrated, and you create what I think is almost a little bit of a death spiral. I think it's a downward, it's a downward spiral. It's certainly not sustainable. Well, you went through our training, so you know we have a methodology for conflict resolution. Absolutely. Consider this. What if a company decided to have a methodology for conflict resolution? In other words, it permeated the company. In other words, when conflict began to arise, this system was in place. Instead, most companies' individuals are reactionary. The conflict has gone too far. And now somebody's going to get fired, somebody's going to quit, or we're going to have to have a mediator. Mediators cost a lot of money. And yet 70 to 80% of all conflict can be resolved through better communication skills. Absolutely. So Joe, what is it time? Is it, is it the cost? Is it uh, lack of awareness? Is it not having systems? What's, what's the barrier that people aren't? that aren't investing in Oh, I think one thing is they never ask themselves this question. What if I don't move forward? 
What uh, if we don't address this issue? You see, I think we always, we always, you know, 80% to 85% of why a person will engage with you or me is for potential loss. That's just the law of nature sure, that sure. we are more likely to make a decision if we're afraid we're going to lose something. Now, it's only our ability to get in front of that person and consultatively take them through a process that allows them to say, here's my concerns, here's what I want to accomplish, can I establish a timeline, here's this person's uniqueness, but somewhere in there, we all have to ask ourselves this question, what if I don't? What if we don't move forward? What if we don't bring James in here to improve our corporate culture? What are the ramifications of not moving forward? And I think one of the biggest reasons that people do not move forward is they don't think through the ramifications of not making improvements. Mm. Well, it's just, I mean, I talk to people every day. And like, you know, one of my verticals is I work with speakers, coaches, trainers, and consultants that want to make money. And so, you know, we'll do a core story and then they'll go, well, you know, no, I don't know if this is the right time. And I always say, fantastic. Because see, I'm not the kind of person that talks anybody into anything. You know, you said one time in the boot camp, Joe, you're really good at sales. I'm really not. I'm good at finding buyers. I don't convince anybody. I find people that have come to a place where they know the ramifications of not moving forward. Mm. So when I sit with them, they're just deciding, am I the right person? Is my uniqueness a fit for what they want? They already know they're at a point of they need something. Mm. God, it may not be me, but I think the mistake we all make in, in sitting down with people, we get into, I have to overcome all their objections. I have to convince them. And really that is not consultative sales. No, you have to share with them how you can solve their problem, but they have to be aware of their problem. And Jill, that, that funnel, that time frame, it, it can be long, can't it? <laughs> Took me 10 <laughs> years to get Caldwell Banker, 10 years to get Blue Cross, you know, 85% of all sales happens between the 6th and the 15th contact. That's why we are not transactional. We're consultative. And that's why at Peachy and Peachy, we keep a hugely full funnel. You know, the other thing about that, too, though, too, with just the touch points, like I, I had known about sales come between the 6th and 15th touch point. I, I had known that. But I could touch, I could have those touch points, 30, 30 of those. And I could be failing on all 30 of them because I wasn't trying to build the relationship. I wasn't trying to communicate. I wasn't hitting on those pain points, right? And so, so like when you kind of expressed it earlier, when somebody says, hey, just try harder, just work more, just do more, just pick up the phone more, well, you're going to get better at it. But you also get better at it because somebody else has, in, you know, you invest in learning somebody else's system. 30 times uh, of beating your head against the wall, like, yeah, great resilience, way to go, good grit, but you were still doing it poorly all those 30 times. <laughs> you know, the remember the, uh, the uh, who was it, the guy who said uh, 10,000 times you're an expert, the, uh, the principle that if you did something 10,000 times, well, that's not true if you do it wrong. That's so true, yeah. 
You know, yeah. practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. That's why we're so skill-based, process-based, because those things can be improved. The challenge is most people quit before they win. You see, most people give up belief before they win. Yeah. And so all of a sudden the doubt creeps in and this can't happen for me. But they never really equip themselves to win. You know, in the in the two years that that you pursued me, um, you never once tried to convince me to come to anything. And and I truly mean like people that are listening, they need to understand this that Joe, you would call me every couple of weeks or maybe once a month, you know, it, it varied depending on, but as you continue to build a relationship with me, um, you always, you always offered something of help for me because you asked the question, how are things going? What are you working on right now? What is there anything that, you know, that I can provide some help with. And on those days when I was feeling vulnerable, my response to you was everything's good, Joe. Yeah you know, and you'd call back a month later. But I remember one time when I was putting together a conference and I was just getting skunked with sales. <laughs> it was pre-COVID. It was at the end of the year. We actually had to move the date. Um, I was investing all sorts of money that I didn't have in it. You were so boldly truthful with me. There was one day when I said, Joe, I appreciate what you're saying, but that's not what I needed today. I needed some, I needed a little bit of like encouragement. And you, you heard that you met that you could hear like either the frustration or like the, the, the negative tone in my voice, because I'm getting my butt kicked. And you, and you spoke a lot of truth into that. This is the stuff that, that when you say we do what we say we're going to do, um, you know, if, if, if people connect with you, they they should expect a call to come in with a number that's originating out of Orlando, Florida, right? Well, in our industry, the industry you and I are in, the speaking, coaching, training, consulting world, 90% of the people who do what we do really don't do it in their own business, their own life. They're using somebody's licensing program. They're, they're reading a book. Nothing wrong with those things. But I, when we opened up Peachy and Peachy, this is what we said. We will never speak, coach, train, or consult on anything. We don't execute ourselves. Now, I happen to know you probably have a great culture in your home. You're living it. You were in a company where you created culture. You're living it. I think the mistake we make and, and I will tell you, if you're out there, uh, you know, whether it's me or Jim, you always can run a test on, on somebody you're going to hire. I call it the fresh fruit check test. Does this person know more than I know about this topic? Are they doing it now? And are they successful? You see, information brokerage, that's the speaking co coaching training world. We are brokers of information. You want brokers of information that are living their message. Mm -hmm. This is, yeah, you, and you've got a podcast episode on the sales edge where you talk about that. Uh, yeah. It's well, probably one of your earlier ones. Well, again, I, I, one of the biggest challenges you face and I face, you sit down with a corporate person and, and they go, yeah, I'd like to believe you can do this, but we've had bad experiences in the past. 
Right. They made a decision with a consulting company, a training company, whatever, that didn't deliver what they promised. And you have to overcome that. And that's a challenge. And that's why I told you, I remember saying to you, Jim, call 100% of my clients. You can call anybody you want. And if any of them tell you I don't deliver, don't hire me. Yeah. Because, because again, and, and see, what I do is more quantifiable than what you do. It takes a while to change a culture. That's why I said in the beginning, you kind of went, what? what you do is harder. I know this. If I go into a company, you can call them the next week and go, hey, did you get a return on investment? And they'll say, yeah, we booked 35 appointments. We close it because sales is quantifiable. Sales is also extremely honest, especially for somebody like me, you know, who is a who's a solopreneur. You know, this is yeah. this is the way we've modeled it. Right. It's it's pretty obvious when you look at your bank account how well you're doing. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's very well, brutally honest. You and us, we eat what we kill. Right. You know what I mean? It's like I don't have a four hundred one k attend. I have none of those things. I never worked in corporate America. Yeah. And so people say, why do you get up so early? <laughs> well, we eat what we kill. So on that note, when we were at boot camp, I think this was on the, the sixth day. So I, I, it was Saturday morning and I had stayed up because you, you had given us a, an assignment to do, the, to, the, to do a 10 minute core story presentation. I worked on it for, I think, six hours between Friday at five o'clock, 5 p.m. Beth and I went out for dinner. I was stressing about it. So I was up early and I'm like, I'm going to see if Joe's like, if he's actually here. Cause he always says he gets to the hotel by five or maybe earlier on some of those days. Actually, I walk in at 4 a.m. <laughs> right. So at 4 a.m. that morning I was up, I was going through it again. I was like, Oh, I had a revelation when I slept on it. I want to make this little change here. So I remember coming downstairs probably around five and there you were setting up. I think maybe you were, I don't know, scrolling the phone or whatever, because I know you get tons of calls and messages and we just talked for a while. And, yeah. and that's the kind of stuff that that's the kind of accessibility. What you do, you teach. So as a consultant, trainer, coach, I watch what you do and I remember the impact that you had. And that's what I want to give to the people that I'm with. I want to serve them to that level because Yes, the money is important. The money allows me to put food on the table and all those right. things. Right. But but what gets us fired up is when our feet hit the floor in the morning is we know right. we have an opportunity to make a difference. Well, I think we have to make money to stay in business. If we go out of business, we can't serve people. Absolutely. But here, here's the thing. I, I think when you come to speakers, trainers, and coaches, and this is no way to be offensive, there's two type of people. The people that are seeking to become celebrity – Mm. and the people who are seeking to become servant. Mm. Now, Joe and Don Peachy run a servant-based business. We serve our clients. Our product happens to be speaking, coaching, training. Same thing with you. Mm. Whereas a lot of people in our industry are a little bit more aloof. It's hard to get to them. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying two different models. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that I got ranked number one in the world by global gurus and our sales training workshop is number one really is good for marketing, but it hasn't changed the fact that I get up at 3.30 in the morning. I make sure all my clients are taken care of. I'm going to serve them. I pour my own water. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, uh, if we have a production team, I help them. Why? Because you either 
have that mindset or not. And so, and, and so I'm, I'm recommending you and, and the people who are listening this, not only to know Joe Peachy, but you, that you are a true servant leader. And, and that you. just oozes out of you. You know what? There's uh, I'm going to close with this piece here. I, a very good friend of mine shared. Well, can, uh, can I do one thing before you close? Oh, can yeah, I give absolutely. your can I give your people something free? Please, that would be amazing. Yeah. All right. If you take out your phones, this is a free gift to you. And put in the text box the word sales edge, one word. Text it to 55678. It'll take you to Peachy Peachy link and to a splash page. On that splash page, there is a free five e-course video on recapture lost revenue through virtual selling. There's links to our podcast, Sales Edge. There's two free eBooks, one on LinkedIn and one on sales. And then there's information on our sellmorevirtually.com membership platform that I'm out there every Thursday night doing group coaching and training. So that's a free gift, tons of content. And uh, now I'll turn it back over to you. Absolutely grateful that you share that. I'm part of your SMV Pro membership. Um, I've got an obligation right now on Thursdays that I'm not able to attend. We're doing a training on Thursday nights. Uh, but your those those meetings, they're power packed. And you you do something that is really truly different. Your when you're talking about these these free offerings at that website, when you do that text and you get access to that, your trainings aren't fluff. It's, it's tangible, it's tactical, it's applicable. And that's the difference. It's not some sort of pitch. It's not some sort of upsell thing. No, it's actually good. So you, if you're listening to this, absolutely take advantage of that. Check out Joe's podcast, The Sales Edge. There's, what are you up to 250 well, episodes? Uh, when we get off of this, I'm going to be taping <laughs> 230 and 231. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. So that's June 26 of 2021. When we're recording this, that's, it's just tremendous to see uh, how much those evolved. Now, the thing that I was going to say a few minutes ago was to leave on this is a friend of mine taught me this powerful statement. We were talking about servant leadership a few minutes ago. So it's confidence. Actually, I'm going to say it this way. On a piece of paper, I instruct people to write down in all capital letters the word confidence. Mm -hmm. C-O-N-F-I-D. Write it out. Draw an arc over top of it, kind of like an umbrella. And on top of that arc, I want you to write the words humility or the word humility. Spell it out. And we express it this way. Confidence covered by humility. Mm -hmm. And that right there is an incredible formula that anytime that you need a little bit of ego check, <laughs> you remember what's the ratio I need to be doing today because one without the other is ineffective yeah. or downright dangerous. But right. when they're, when they're working together in a harmonious way, that humility keeps you grounded, but the confidence keeps you from being a pushover or for just being too, too uh, passive about things. Right. It's an incredible statement. So Jarrett Samuels uh, was the gentleman who shared that with me years ago. Joe, I would love to continue this. Um, <laughs> you know, this is one of these things where I, I always enjoy these conversations. These are energizing to me. Thank you so much. My pleasure. 
for being here. Yeah, it's so cool. And and this again, I think this just validates what you were saying is you do what you say. You talked to me and you said, I want to be on your podcast. And it, and it, you don't have celebrity. You have that servant. You're getting that celebrity, but that wasn't your goal. You right. have that servant heart. You and Don, you're you have an amazing wife too, and she's one heck of a trainer alongside you. So thank you so much. And thanks for inviting me. And thank you to your audience. And if I can serve any of you anyway, my phone number is 407-947-2590. Let's have a complimentary cup of Joe. What a great way to end it. Thank you so much, Joe. We'll catch you next time on right. Lead Through Values. Right.